Welcome back to Foundational Thoughts, the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. My name is Neil, your host, and we're in part three of a four or maybe five part series uh, called Apologetics. And we're meeting here today with our resident expert in that area, Rob Phillips, who's been with the Missouri Baptist Convention for uh, several years now, has provided several different resources that are available to you. His latest book uh, is uh, answering questions about the Trinity or something along. Is that it's about the Trinity? Is that right, Rob? Correct. Uh, but you can go online to the website mobaptist.org and look up apologetics, and you're going to find some information about that, and we appreciate Rob joining us again today. We've been talking about giving a defense or a rational rationale, a rational rationale, I suppose, of why we believe what we believe. And so we want to talk to, in this episode specifically about the a question that seems to come up a lot, and you've kind of framed that question in the idea of Jesus is a question. And, and why is Jesus a question, do you think? And, and where does that come from? And who's got questions? Because, I mean, it's Jesus. We all know who we're talking about, right? Well, you would think so, uh, because just about everybody has heard of Jesus uh, and believes in Jesus and generally has a high opinion of Jesus. Uh, even our atheist and agnostic friends would acknowledge that there was a real historical figure named Jesus, and he was probably a pretty decent guy. Uh, But as you talk to people, whether they're agnostic, whether they're Muslim, uh, LDS, Jehovah's Witness... uh, And you said LDS, so those who are not familiar with that, what is LDS? Latter-day Saints or Mormon. They prefer to be called Latter-day Saints and not Mormons. Okay. and uh, uh, Buddhists, Hindus, uh, our Jewish friends, uh, they all have a concept of Jesus, and for the most part say, we believe in Jesus, and we have a very high opinion of mm. Jesus. But the, the next best question then to ask is, that's great, but who is he? Mm. And you will find that that is a great dividing line between the real Jesus of Scripture and the Jesus of so many other Christian faiths. Which is not too far from the question that Jesus asked um, the Apostle Peter. Uh, You know, first he asked, who does everybody else say that I am? And then, who do you say that I am? So it's very similar to that question, isn't it? Right out of Matthew 16, and it's interesting when he asked them, who do people say I, the Son of Man, am. Mm. He kind of answered his own question with <laughs> Son did. of Man, yes. uh, that meaning the divine person in the book of Daniel, uh, who God uh, who came in human flesh. But then it's interesting, their answers, because they said, well, some, of you, some think we're Elijah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist or one of the prophets. Those mm-hmm. were all highly regarded people in Israelite life, so a lot of people had very high opinions of Jesus, oh, yeah. but they were wrong. And so Jesus then really points to it and says, but, but what about you? You know, who do you say mm-hmm. that I am? So that, that's really, I think, the most important question that every person has to deal with, and our eternal destiny hangs in how we answer that question. Mm. And, and when, you, when you talk like that to people in your courses or in your classwork, does a light bulb go on to them in, in that? Because it seems like our culture likes spiritual things, uh, very comfortable with the concept of a God, a God of some type, um, your best friend or the one who helps you on, you know, go back to 
touched by an angel or there's a nuke shows that are out there about an email from God or something like that. We like those things. And then Jesus becomes divisive to some degree for a big part of the culture, but then even inside of that, still Jesus is still pretty acceptable. Jesus is still all right with me, to quote the old uh, song from, from back in the day. But it's the question of who do you say that is? So what are some of the responses that when, when you ask that question, what are some of the responses that you could expect if you're dealing with somebody and the question of Jesus comes up? And, and they say, well, we like Jesus. Jesus is just all right with me. And who is Jesus? And what do, what do you typically hear? What do you expect to hear? Yeah, well, if you're talking to uh, Jehovah's Witness, for example, uh, they have a very high regard for Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They love Jesus. Uh, but when you ask, who is he? They'll say something like this. Well, he's the very first being that Jehovah created. And hmm. he was created as Michael the Archangel. And through Michael the Archangel, Jehovah created everything else. And then 2,000 years ago, Jehovah took the life force of Michael the Archangel and placed it into the womb of Mary. This was not an incarnation. It wasn't God becoming Mm. flesh. It was a recreation of an angel giving that angel human life. So Jesus was human and only human. He lived a sinless life. He died on a torture stake, they say, not a cross, because a cross is a pagan symbol imposed later on Christianity. Mm. Uh, he died to exonerate the name of Jehovah and to gain back the um, right to live on paradise earth that Adam and Eve lost. Well, wow. Then Jesus died, and that was the end of Jesus. He was annihilated. But three days later, Jehovah took his life force, or remembered his life force, and put it into an exalted um, spiritually resurrected body of Michael the Archangel, who ascended into heaven, returned invisibly in 1914, and today is establishing his kingdom on earth. Wow. Now, That's if you, a very different Jesus. Well, it is, but if you're a person who is sleeping through half of the sermons, or you didn't go to Sunday school necessarily, except for the 1914 part you threw in there, a lot of that I could see an unsuspecting or unbiblically educated person going, okay, that sounds kind of close, because it does sound kind of close, at least in some areas. Yeah, it does. So so how do we, I mean, we, we've got to help our churches understand that they've got to do a great job teaching in Sunday school and a great job preaching to make sure that those differences are seen. Because you're right, as you mentioned last time, if you know the truth, you can see when something's not quite right. I, I had a, f- a friend of mine who uh, would love to show the $100 bill, and he said that he worked, I don't know if he did or not, but he said he worked for the CIA or somebody important who, who were in charge of the, um, the counterfeiting operations, and he said the best way to know a counterfeit is to spend all your time studying the real thing. And I'm afraid we have people in our churches who've been close to the real thing but they're not really, and they're not able to de- to determine the differentiations of why. And as I listened to that story that you told, which was not a true story in the sense of what the Bible teaches, so it came in the middle of the podcast, he's not teaching something different, uh, but he is, but that's what many people are believing, and it is different. So uh, where do you start with something like that? Because that's a pretty, if a person is committed to that worldview of who Jesus is, and they're able to articulate that, that's a pretty significant commitment on that individual's part to learn and know and express that story. 
How do you respond if that's the story that a person gives us about who Jesus is? Where do you start with something like that? Yeah, it, it's always important for us when we do an apologetics event, we talk about other belief systems, is to make sure we spend a good deal of our time focusing on the real thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you know the real thing, it won't matter what the counterfeit is, you'll be able to identify it as counterfeit. Okay. So we spend a good deal of time then saying, look, we're going to talk about different views of Jesus, but first we have to establish <laughs> who who's the real Jesus. Okay, that's true. And Scripture tells us Jesus is the eternal Son of God the second person of the triune Godhead, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit. He's the creator of all things. He and the Holy Spirit and the Father collaboratively work to create and sustain all things. 2,000 years ago, Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth. He didn't abandon his deity. He set aside his privileged position at the Father's right hand, came to earth, added to his deity sinless humanity via the miracle of the virgin birth, lived a sinless life, He offered that life up on the cross, and on the cross he took my sins and your sins, became guilty of them, paid our sin debt, and uh, died, was buried, rose physically on the third day to conquer Satan's sin and death for us, ascended physically into heaven. Today he's at the right hand of the Father as our mediator and intercessor, and he's coming back one day personally, visibly, physically, in power and great glory to fulfill all things. That's the core of who Jesus really is. And so we need to know that. Mm-hmm. We know, need to know how to find that in Scripture, and we know, need to know how to share that. And then when we get other views, like the Watchtower view we just discussed, we'll mm-hmm. say, that, that's not right. That's not biblically faithful. I right. don't know exactly what's all wrong with it, right. but something is not measuring up right. there. And if you've got that, and you know what, what you just articulated very well, which I wish every Missouri Baptist, I wish I could articulate that as well as Rob has, but if you are able to put that as a as on one side of a chart, and then put what they say on the other side of the chart, then you can find points of agreement which are confusing unless you recognize the points of contention right. and the points of conflict. And so if you can see those, and you can agree, well, I can understand this, but if I can then point out what are the major disagreements, then go to Scripture to point out those disagreements, that's when you can be ready, and you may not make tons of progress with that individual, because they're probably going to be committed to their view, at least the beginning, but then you'll have a place to point them, because again, our job is not to convert anybody, it's our job to expose people to the truth of the Scriptures, but you've got to know how your framework, of what the biblical framework is, lines up with them. So how do we get that? Where do we, is it, is it study? Is it preparation? Is it conversation? What is it that helps us in that way? Yeah, it's, I think it's a combination of all that, but it, there needs to be a love of the Scriptures, first mm. of all. God mm. has given us His inspired, His inerrant, infallible Word, His sufficient Word, and so we need to uh, we need to love that and study that mm. as as our ground and as our basis. And um, you mentioned laying some beliefs side by side in the Apologist Toolkit, which mm-hmm. is one of our resources. When we have the lessons on uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Latter Day Saints and Islam, we actually have some side by side charts. Oh, that do you show really? What does the Bible teach about Jesus? What does the Bible teach about God? What does the Bible teach about salvation? And then in the other column, mm-hmm. what do the Jehovah's Witnesses or Latter-day Saints or Muslims believe? So hopefully those are helpful 
side-by-side resources that at least give you a start for looking at the biblical basis for why we believe what we believe. And that's in a, in a resource that, that you have helped produce, and that is called the Apologist Toolbook, right? Yeah, Apologist Toolkit. Toolkit, sorry, a toolkit, not a toolbook. So you can tell I'm not much of a tool guy. <laughs> it's a toolkit, and that's available uh, for a purchase if you would like to find out more information about that. You can probably search that at some of the places. Is it out on Amazon and things like it's that? On, it's on Amazon and print and Kindle. Okay. And then if you go to uh, mobaptist.org slash apologetics, there's a resources tab there. And you can find that, or if you want to call us or email us, we can actually get you uh, uh, get you at, at our basic print cost, so you would save money by contacting us directly, ah. and we'll mail it out. But if it's more convenient to order it online, sure, that's fine as well. So, who are some of the people who are the Christian apologists out there that you like to listen to, or have good resources out there? If a person's at a bookstore, sometimes I'm. Fortunately, there's not quite as many Christian bookstores as there used to be. I don't say fortunately in a bad thing. I know Lifeway's making some changes. But sometimes there are so many strange titles out there in the Christian bookstore. I'm kind of concerned sending somebody out to a bookstore, even though it may say Christian. So who are some of those names and authors that if we're out there and we see a book sale or a Clarence book sale, who are some of those names that you would go, that's a good book, you ought to pick that up uh, from people who are in this field of apologetics? Yep. Well, I've always liked Norman Geisler. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's getting up there in years, and he's just retired not too long ago. But I've got quite a number of his books. One of my favorite books is one that he wrote with uh, Frank Turek called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It's a great title. And that is an excellent book that basically starts with how do we know there is a God, Mm. and it moves into other points of doctrine. So that's a really good one, but Geisler's got other uh, resources as, as well. Uh, so I like him. Ravi Zacharias, mm-hmm. obviously, is uh, is excellent. In um, William Lane Craig, is that another name that comes to my mind? William, Just as, I didn't do any preparation to to know those names, but that seems like one that's in my background. Yeah, William Lane Craig is is just a brilliant mind, and he's he's got debates with atheists on mm. YouTube and mm. podcasts and everything okay. else. So he's an excellent one as well. Um, Mike Lacona uh, is an expert on the resurrection. And uh, along with Gary Habermas. Mm. Um, and so a, a lot of those folks really are, are quite excellent. But we also have people with our own Southern Baptist Convention and mm-hmm. within um, evangelical Christianity who serve as you know, pastors or seminary leaders who are quite good as well. And so if you have any doubts of, about whether it's, a, it's biblically sound or not, sometimes you can tell by who recommends the mm-hmm. book. Most mm-hmm. of the books have recommendations in them. Um, or you can you can Google that person and look them up a little bit and see what their background is and what their beliefs are. Uh, but uh, one of the great things I think about you know the Christian faith is we have people who may disagree with us on secondary and mm-hmm. third order issues mm-hmm. who nevertheless are fantastic Christian apologists and there's absolute agreement on the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Yeah, absolutely. And this is such an interesting time because when I was growing up way back in the 80s, you didn't really have access to these kinds of resources. It was difficult to go to a, you know the, the public library wouldn't have anything like this and You'd have to find a Christian bookstore. You'd have to go to a conference or a convention. And now it's just available to you by your phone, by just a couple of keystrokes, and you can watch some of these world-class scholars 
um, who know more than just about anybody else knows, because sometimes I know we get intimidated by that person has a degree in this, or that person is smarter than I am, um, and we didn't have a whole lot of resources. But today, because of technology, we can be just as well-equipped as anybody else. Yeah, we can. That's a really good point, and, and for little or no cost, because there are a lot of things you can get on your smartphone that are, are podcasts mm-hmm. or YouTube videos or other things that are posted. And you made a good point, too, about us being intimidated sometimes by people. Because I'm kind of in that boat because I don't have a seminary degree, and I don't consider myself an expert or a scholar. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Greek. But I'm a lay person who loves the Bible mm-hmm. and loves to talk about my Christian faith. And so the, the, the teachings that I do and the, the books that I've been blessed to be able to write really are from a lay person's mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they will go over anybody's head because you I'm meaning, not capable of doing you're that. You're meaning we'll be able to understand what you're saying is what you're saying, Rob, which is awesome. Uh, because what marked the first disciples and what is going to have to mark uh, disciples of Christ today is the fact that we have been with Jesus. And that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. Rob, thanks for joining us again on the podcast of the Missouri Baptist Foundation. We call it Foundational Thoughts, and we're talking about some foundational principles uh, in this series, part three of a four-part series on apologetics, what it is, why you need to be uh, interested in this, and why you need to be learning this. And we'll come back in our next episode. Rob, thanks again for joining us on Foundational Thoughts. (laughs) 